It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. All right, welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Andrew Gillis. Um, it's weird. I'm hosting this thing now. This is this is kind of fun here, but we are coming to you. It is very weird. I know. One minute I'm just kind of waiting on somebody to let me talk, and now I get to control when everybody else talks. I almost don't want to let anybody else talk. But we are here at Big 2023 Big Ten Media Days, uh, day one, which, speaking of changes, this was already a bit of a change. I think, Nathan, and I, since we've been on the beat at least, Ohio State has always been day two of this, while we've gotten a chance to maybe talk to Michigan and some other people that's flipped this time around, with Michigan being the back-to-back Big Ten champions, while going through Ohio State in the process, Ohio State going on day one, which is something new. Uh, and let's, I'm new to this hosting thing. I like, I like this already. We're going to split this up into three things. I like to tell people what we're going to split this up into. We did get the chance to talk with Ryan Day, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover, and JT Tweemalowal. Those were the representatives for Ohio State today. So we learned some things about some quarterbacks, but we'll get to that in the second segment. And then in the third segment, we're going to talk about an idea that we've talked about on Buckeye Talk before, but now Ryan Day said it. So it's not just us podding about it. This is something that is an interesting topic as we get into a 12-team playoff a year from now. But to start with kind of some news stuff for the day, Nathan, uh, you got a chance to talk with Marvin Harrison Jr. a little bit. What are some things you maybe learned from a guy who clearly has more expensive taste than the rest of us? <laughs> Yeah, rocking what what you told me are Louis Vuitton uh, sneakers. I yeah. would not know them from uh, anything. They could be Skechers, for all I know. Um, they look nicer than the nicer than that. Nicer yeah. than the kind of shoes that I would usually wear. Uh, you asked, you came over and asked me um, what costs more: everything you're wearing or his shoes? And I think it's a clear answer that it's his shoes, um, which is fine. And uh, uh, what I was trying to glean today from Marvin was. Just a vibe, because it's kind of a special day for him. You know, his his dad, he was only seven when his dad retired from the NFL. Uh, his dad's NFL Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison Sr. Did not and know that. So he only, I think, got one year in Indianapolis. Or one year in this stadium, I should say. His whole career was Indianapolis, but one year in this stadium. And 
so I don't know that this stadium had like a, a, a super special feel for him being seven years old or whatever. But he was clearly paying homage to his his dad today. It was, you know, the, the sneakers were Colts colors, blue and white. The tie he was wearing was this royal blue. And, and he even said it that at one point that, you know, this he was he was he was showing up for the Colts, showing up for his dad's legacy. And at one point uh, before they the interview stuff formally started, we were just kind of milling around. And I was trying to get a picture, and somebody actually got one later of him talking to me in the picture that I was trying to get with him with someone else, where it's like very clearly over his right shoulder, you see Marvin Harrison up on the Colts Ring of Honor, and then now his son is standing down below and talking to this this schlub uh, here. And um, he's comfortable with this. You know, he's going to be one of the faces of college football. He kind of, He already is. And he will be for this season. And that's a difference in the where his life was a year ago when he was still a young guy with something to prove who'd had a nice Rose Bowl, but he's coming into a bigger role. And, and then obviously Jackson Smith and Jigbits gets hurt and his, it changes in, in major ways. And he's, I think, ready for this moment. Not every player is. It's hard to live up to expectations it's hard to stand in someone's legacy, and he seems to have the right perspective as the season is beginning. And another telltale sign of that was, you know, asking, being asked about, you know, what you've accomplished in your career. And, you know, he's now he's been a unanimous All-American. He, you know, people have theorized, well, he could have been, he might have been the first pick in the NFL draft this last year. We were having that discussion on the podcast. Someone had told a, a draft follower had told us that that the bears might have had to think about keeping the pick and taking him if he had been number one overall this if he had been available this last year and he's really shrugging a lot of that stuff off and says you know i feel like i've done everything else he he called georgia the national championship game which it would have been like maybe the de facto one but it wasn't i'm sure that you know that still that goal still sits out there too but like what hasn't he done in his career he hasn't beat michigan he hasn't played in that stadium in a in the Big Ten Championship game. And I think he probably had every expectation coming to Ohio State that you're going to get to play multiple games in Lucas Oil Stadium before the end of your career. And for his family, there's a connection there. It would have been a big deal to like have that Indianapolis legacy. And he's 0 for 2, not just him, but the team is 0 for 2. And he's got one more shot. And they're not favored right now to be the team that plays in that stadium on December whatever to go to win the Big Ten. And that is obviously a big driver for him. There's only so much that he can do to make that happen. But his um, his goals and his mindset seem to be in the right place. And not every player, like I said, not every player I don't think would handle that the right way. But he's been built for this. He's been he's grown into this in a way that not every player gets an opportunity to do. There is an element to him that's always felt professional even if it's not diva-like, right? I mean, the way he dresses, the way he approaches the media, the way he works, all of that. Andrew, I know you're new to this, but you maybe got to spend a little bit of time with Marvin Harrison, just someone who this is your first time being around any of these Ohio State football players, being around somebody who might be the best non-quarterback in college football. What was some of the vibe you got from him? Well, I think the first thing I noticed was the shoes. Um, you know, I saw we were, we were standing there, I saw the, you know, the really nice shoes. Um, you know, uh, those are fresh. I really like those, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just like, kind of like you guys said, just to kind of echo a lot of it. I mean, I'm not going to really bring anything new here. Like just carrying himself in a manner where 
oh, I need to go do this radio hit. Oh, I need to go do this. Oh, I need to go do that. Like he just kind of looked like you can just kind of tell when somebody's going to do all that, if they're comfortable, if they're not comfortable. And, and he just kind of felt comfortable in his own skin doing that. So, you know, he, to me, he was a guy who, you know, as you're, you know, I think Nathan was the one who said it where you're going to ask a lot of him this year. Like there's going to be a lot asked of him in terms of kind of what he has to do both kind of on and off the field. And I think he's just a guy who was comfortable with that. I mean, you know, he comes from a family where obviously he knows what that's like. He knows what superstardom is like. And I mean, he's about to have a big, big dose of it. So yeah, I think, you know, the, I mean, obviously the shoes number one, but uh, you know, just kind of like the, the persona that he kind of had, I think was, um, was the first thing I saw where, you know, I mean, guys are grabbing him for one-on-one interviews, guys are grabbing him for this, for that. And he just kind of rolled with the punches. I thought that that, I mean, for, for a college kid, you know, even at Ohio state, I mean, you know, that you you have to kind of have some kind of media training and some kind of level of ability to do that. So. So Nathan, since I mean, you, we've covered him now for two years, seeing him both behind the scenes and now on the field. It, it kind of feels like he's in the Jackson Smith, the Jigba spot a year ago where the superstar is here, but we weren't going to learn a lot new about Marvin at this thing. We know what it is. He's good. And so it was more about maybe the human being than it was the football player. But was there anything from a football standpoint that maybe, I mean, you probably knew it, but you probably weren't thinking about it the same way that you were after maybe he said it today. Well, but I would push back a little bit because I feel like still Jackson Smith the Jigba, because of the way that that season before, the 2021 season unfolded, he was still the third name on that team. And mm-hmm. he came here as still someone on the rise, I feel like. Um, even after having the single biggest receiving season in Big Ten history, his uh, star was still on the rise, maybe is the best way to say it. And it, that was almost, in a way, kind of his arrival. Whereas I think Marvin Harrison Jr. walks in here owning this a little bit more. I mean, he was just, the, by a wide margin, the preseason offensive player of the year. Like, defense was decided by one point of in our vote that we did, the 13th annual Cleveland.com poll. And, like, razor-thin margin. People have a really hard time with consensus on defense. And they typically do. It's harder on defense than offense every year. But, like... Marvin Harrison Jr. got more points in that voting than the second and third people combined. Like he's clearly seen as the best football player in the Big Ten right now. That wasn't the case of, of Jackson Smith and Jigba a year ago. He was like one of the best players, but like it's 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 a different thing. And part of it is too that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba still also had C.J. Stroud at his side. Mm-hmm. Marvin doesn't. So uh, again, I think what you're seeing now is the the metamorphosis from someone who was uh, had all this talent and has, has has worked to put himself in position to take advantage of something last year and did it. And then now, where the whole world is waiting for an encore, I think he is looking for an opportunity to lead this team. And, <clears throat> excuse me, you do that differently as a receiver than you do as a quarterback and maybe uh, even other positions. But again, like his, he is not motivated by the comparisons that people make and by the the trophies that people expect him to win. And uh, at the same time, when he's asked about, has been asked about things like the Bolitnikov and stuff, he's like, sure, I think I, I deserve that. I think I was the best in the in the country. But I think it 
with with whereas other people that sounds boastful for him it's sort of baked into his sort of baseline identity like just his personality and so what i think it's more more than football for him because as you say you know and ryan day talked about this later like they can't get to an end of a game any game and say well Mm -hmm. marvin had like one or two touches like that they're he's gonna have to be a central piece of this offense is what they plan to do Jackson Smith and Jigba last year, and it, it didn't work out. But I'm, we're all still very intrigued by what that's going to look like, and there's not going to be a lot of commentary on that until we actually see what it looks like against Indiana. I, to me, it's still more about like what can he now, what what other ways is he trying to give of himself to this program? Because physically, as a receiver, we know what he can do, and we know the example he's been setting. So now, how does he? You know, considering his his stated major like cavity that still remains unfilled in his career is not winning a Big Ten championship, not even playing for a Big Ten championship yet, not beating Michigan yet. How does he help this program do that? Beside beyond, you know, in in intangible ways, maybe beyond just by being the receiver he is. Yeah, they did go into that a little bit of finding that balance of this is your best player. You probably need to get him the ball versus also quarterbacks finding the one on ones when you have a Mecca Buka right beside him. You have a Julian Fleming. He missing Travion Henderson in that conversation as well. When you have this many weapons, there's a there is kind of a balance of the best player in football, the best wide receiver in the country. You got to find a way to get him the ball while also balancing with that with not trying to force it in areas where you don't need to force it. Marvin wasn't the only third-year guy here who came in with some high expectations and sort of maybe blossomed last season, not necessarily to the level that Marvin Harrison did it, but he he had his moments, especially one pretty decent moment at, at, at Penn State, and that's JT Tuimaloau, and I sat with him, and the conversation was the Penn State game, and it was – how do you find a way to be consistent after having something so crazy? Because it's not a realistic, realistic expectation that he's going to do that every single week, though he did say his dad has told him that he maybe should shoot for that all the time because he should be shooting for expectations that people think are unrealistic. So that means – so when you go do it, it's that much more impressive. But for the conversation I had with him both when he was up on the podium and then also walking with him afterward was – the Penn State game, especially when he went back and watched it, he was just as impressive as the rest of the world because when he was in it, he was just blacked out playing football. And so he wanted to just go see it as a fan and go, was it really as good as people say it was? And he said, yeah, it was as good as people said it was. But also it just meant that now he's got to find a way to do that a little bit more consistently. So I'll pose this question to both of you, and I'll start with you, Andrew. Five-star recruit. Big time deal when they got him top five player in the country who has played a meaningful role for two years now, even though he got here literally a week before training camp his freshman year in 2021. What should be the realistic expectations for a guy like JT Tui Malowau, who flashed that I can be a top five draft pick in that Penn State game, but it wasn't necessarily consistent enough for him to be the number one name on, a, on another opposing team scouting report? So I think the thing with JT is that, I mean, you kind of look at the numbers that he had last year. I mean, that Penn State game, obviously crazy, you know, six tackles, you have two sacks, forced fumble, fumble recovery, and you have two interceptions. Like, But those numbers were too significant, and they weighed too heavily on his season total. I mean, you look at his season total, he had three and a half sacks during a season in a game where, you know, you have two sacks against Penn State. So, you know, I understand, you know, you, you kind of don't want to be known for that, but like, 
that's the game that two sacks a game and and, and three turnovers like that's that's ridiculous. You can't do that every week. Like nobody can do that every week. But I think just a level of consistency to where you know you can get ten sacks in a season by you know two one week and then none the next week, but you really affect the passer or you're drawing double teams or something like that. I mean, you kind of look at some of the country's best pass rushers. I know that, you know, Will Anderson, he was a top three pick last year. He had 10 sacks and every every team in the country, you know, every team that played Alabama, they were double teaming him. They were sending tight ends. They had everybody like they were they were absolutely just going crazy trying to stop that guy. And he still produced numbers. So, you know, I'm, you know, I know that's a very high bar. But like if you're talking about a guy who has a high level of talent like that and you want to be at that first round level, you want to be at that level that, you know, everybody thinks you can get to, I I mean, you have to produce at some point. So I think, you know, just consistency in the way of, you know, not even the numbers, it's consistency in the way of bringing the same level every week, because then, you know, if you play, you know, Penn State, or you play Notre Dame, and you play one of these big schools, they're going to have to double team you, they're going to have to send all these other guys after you. And then that frees up everybody else. So I think that, it's kind of a compounding effect where, you know, the better he does, the more you can kind of help out everybody else. So even if the numbers don't show it, just consistency and kind of being a player that even if it's not that Penn State level, like just being a more consistent player, I mean, that I mean that would do wonders for this defense. Nathan, is this a JT needs to be some version of the Penn State game for Ohio State's defense to take that next step? Or is this a – defensive line conversation in general and that it doesn't necessarily have to be JT. It just needs to be somebody who steps up or maybe a collective. Yeah. I would not put that all on JT simply because of his recruiting pedigree or, or because he had the one great game against Penn state. It shows that he's the one who is maybe the most accessible to like hitting that next level, that kind of that freakish level that we've seen Ohio state Russians have in the past that maybe it's the most, it's most within his reach. Uh, but as, as Andrew said, like you're not going to replicate it to that level. It's going to be, you know, something more reasonable than that. And I, I think the next step for the Ohio state defense is not, you know, it was already there last year. If they choke off like a plays, you can count on two hands like mm-hmm. over the course of a year. You know what I mean? Like how much different if you take out the the explosive touchdowns against Michigan, a couple plays against Georgia, um, I mean, yeah, we're talking within ten plays. It, it changes how you look at this defense completely, and it's that's just I think a matter of refining a few things and and you know improving some some things in the back end. Now, as we've talked many times, you know getting a a real pass rush threat, somebody who's like truly intimidating up front again, that, that does have to emerge, but we're also, we've talked in the past, the the team likes to throw around. Well, we can do that by, um, we can do that in the aggregate or we can do that collectively. And, and maybe at team people who cover the team, you, you start to see that too. And a lot of times maybe it's, it, it, it's coach speak or it's, it's wishful thinking. But I think you look at this roster and you see what JT to could be most weeks. You see what Jack Sawyer could be most weeks. You see what Mike Hall jr. Could be most weeks. You start adding Taiwan Malone in there. You've already got Tyleek Williams. Uh, he's talking about Kenyatta Jackson today, starting to look like an NFL player. 
already like second year guy who didn't really play much last year. And that, that to me was like a, a bell that went off like, Oh, all right. Like now you're starting to talk about getting back potentially to that level that Ohio state has had uh, as far as guys coming off the end and really messing things up. The thing I would say though, is like, let's see how that plays out because that's something that we've always thought was maybe coming, you know, if you know, this is year Jack or Zach Harrison takes that step into that super level and he never got there and was still a fine football player or um, whoever else that we might've spent Tyree, Tyree, um, Tyree Smith, like at times, like being the best player on the field, I thought in that 2021 season, but consistency injuries, things get in the way. So let's see how it looks when it comes together this year. But what Ohio state, the thing I truly to take the next step, the answer might be yes, but in kind of an indirect way, what you're saying about JT Tuomaloa, like if they take the next step at the back end of this defense, it makes it much easier for him to take that step at the front end of this defense. That is the other important thing that's been missing, as we've said many times here. And if that works in unison, maybe it is the thing that unleashes somebody up front. Yeah, I think I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, it's hard, right? We're talking about a Big Ten media days where it's two offensive players, a defensive player, and a head coach who's an offensive guy. So we're asking JT out today to basically be the voice of the defense, and it's going to be a defensive line-driven conversation most of those times. It's, it's, it's that back end, but also what we saw from the defensive line in the spring needs to not just be because the offensive line for Ohio State was figuring some stuff out. That needs to somehow translate. But we'll – Keep it pushing here. The, the last guy who is kind of brings it all together because he's a, a defensive guy and an offensive guy's body. And Andrew Gillis got to meet probably one of the more intense players on Ohio State's football team, with the other two also being his roommates. Uh, what did we learn from linebacker turned defensive lineman turned potentially all Big Ten tight end Kate Stover today? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it, like uh, you know, we I think we talked about this a little bit on our uh, in our stand up video right afterwards. You know, I I, I kind of went into it. You know, I, I this is the first interview I've ever done with an Ohio State player, and uh, you know, he was uh, very blunt, <laughs> um, which uh, you know I respect to a point. You know, he, he was, uh, you know, I, I liked it. I, I think it was at the beginning. You know, somebody said, you know, what does it mean to kind of be one of the three players that you know was chosen to come here? And he said, oh, well. You know, I'm not that thrilled by it. And and he was just very, very blunt. But, you know, he, he talked about, um, you know, he, he, very, very modest. But, you know, he, he kind of talked about the goals that he had and, you know, you know why he kind of came back. And obviously he had an injury at the end of last year. Um, but, you know, he, he talked about just kind of – it, it kind of went unsaid. But, you know, I, I guess the – like, you know, if I, if I were to put a headline on it, it would be like unfinished business. Um, you know, he, he kind of talked about – you know, what, what they didn't accomplish. And, you know, it's very easy to draw a line from, okay, well, he wants to beat Michigan. He wants to win the big 10, wants to win a national championship. Like it's very clear to see kind of, that's what, that's what he was talking about. Um, I thought that that was interesting. Uh, he mentioned Sonny Styles as a player who, uh, who he thinks is, is going to break out this year. Uh, and when asked why he gave a one word answer and he said freaky. Um, so I think that, um, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, kind of what you learned from Kate. I think he kind of gave you some some helpful stuff elsewhere. Uh, his NIL stuff, he talked about it. You know, he said he doesn't know how much he makes in NIL. I mean, who knows if he's if he actually knows and he just didn't want to say. Uh, but he said he'd rather be paid in tractors, um, which I thought was pretty funny. So, you know, he, he was an interesting interview, you know. But I think, uh, you know, you learn more about kind of the rest of the roster. He called the quarterbacks fiery. And he said that, you know, he didn't really see much of a difference between them. I think that, 
you learn more about the rest of the roster than you do about Cade Stover today. So I'm going to put a pin in the Sunny Styles freaky conversation, if that's okay with you guys, because it's Obviously. been an ongoing conversation that we've had about Sunny Styles since the day he committed. And uh, yeah, that's just another thing on the list of he might be a really good football player, things we've heard, but we haven't been able to see it yet. So I'm going to put a pin in that. And I want to use Cade Stover because he's a, tight, he's a very good tight end. He's going to get used at times. He's going to be productive. And the better, the bigger question at tight end is, can they do 12 and 13 personnel stuff? Because Joe Royer and G. Scott made some type of headway during fall camp here. And we're not going to find that out at Big Ten Media Day. So I want to use Cade Stover to have a brief, com- a very brief conversation because we might even just touch on this more tomorrow when we get a chance to talk with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. But this is an Ohio kid. And it, it who grew up Ohio State fan, and he is one of the few players, I think I did a count, I think it's eight players who have ever played against Michigan in a win. And it's Matthew Jones, it's Josh Proctor, it's him, it's Cade Stover, it's Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, and maybe a couple other guys that I, I can't think of right now who have seen, who have been part of an Ohio State win over Michigan. And as I mentioned earlier in this pod, how it feels like things have flipped where it's Ohio State's going on the first day, Michigan's going on the second day. It felt like Ohio State has constantly been the headliner in the Big Ten, especially at events like this. Outside of getting a chance to hear what the commissioner has to say, whoever that is, because that's changed a lot over the past five years, you're here to see Ohio State. They're the biggest draw. And they still might be the biggest draw because they have the biggest beat, but they are not the headliner. And so that's why I'm going to pose to you using the Cade Stover concept of the guy who was here when they were still the headliner. Did you kind of get that same feeling, too, when you saw the announcement of how things were going to play out this weekend, but then also how things have kind of operated with how two years ago we were asking Michigan players, why haven't you beat Ohio State yet? And that seems to have flipped this time around. Yeah, and it's I didn't really that didn't hit me the way it hit some of you when you first saw that, that, you know, um, Mm -hmm about the headliner thing, but now that I think about it, 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 it is different because it, you're right. I mean, they, Ohio State was always the second day. This this thing always built towards Ohio State on the second day. Ohio State has the biggest media contingent easily of, of any of these teams, and people kind of – somebody even today was joking about we were all walking over from – Ryan Day came off of the stage. And typically, you always get like a little sidebar with the coach, um, with the local media – and he had to go do some radio things real quick. So we were all walking over to another area to wait for him. And somebody, I can't remember who it was now. Um, it's escaping me, but somebody's like, oh, there comes, I think it might've been Dennis Dodd said something like, oh, here comes the horde, the the media horde, the Ohio State horde. And it, it Michigan is the, the leader of this conference right now. Michigan is at the top of this conference. You know, Ryan Day was asked today about not being the favorite in this conference. And he said, well, they, they won the game and we didn't win that game two years in a row. So we probably shouldn't be favored right now. And it's something that they can use for whatever motivation they still need in that regard. But it's something that Ohio state had for a long time. The players we're talking to inherited Ohio state being the marquee program in this conference. And it really wasn't close. Like they inherited they were recruited and brought in to a program and expected to extend this this reign of dominance that they had not just in that game but over the conference and that has slipped away and it's not 
all just Ohio State's failure. We've talked. It's Michigan stepping up, Michigan elevating itself to a, a, a better brand of football and executing and being able to win that game with some with some good players. But I think that the players at Ohio State have to feel it a little bit, and especially all these guys that we're talking about are guys who are – I mean, Kate Stover is done after this year. JT Tuomaloau and Marvin Harrison Jr. in theory could come back, but we expect them – to be gone after this year. Marvin Harrison Jr. certainly will, will hard to imagine a scenario where he isn't a first round pick in next April. So this is it. This is their last shot. And I think the specter of potentially going 0-3 against Michigan is something that you either, again, because I think Michigan players are dealing with this for a long time. Once that streak started and got to 6, 7, 8, like, is it something you're kind of wilting under or is it something that it, you're it's pushing you to find another resolve? And that's what Ohio State has to do. This whole season that's about to unfold is going to be I mean, they got a lot of Michigan questions today. They were a different vibe of Michigan question than they were getting a year ago. I think last year I thought there was a little bit more annoyance from them about it because mm-hmm. they were like, all right, we lost a game. Like, you know, but we, we'd won eight in a row before that and 15 out of 16. And, well, you know, it's just one game. We'll come back. Not just not just one game. I don't, I know people are going to react to that. But I think there was last year there was more pushback I got, the vibe from Ohio State players being like, you know, they got us and we'll, we'll get them back or whatever. And then now you've, you've had to sit in and maybe – be a little bit more introspective about why you're 0-2 against them in the last two years and what you are as a program moving forward. And uh, I tried to ask Ryan Day some questions about that today. I was asking players about it too, but about the mindset that shift that Ryan Day sort of called for. And he was trying to summon it, I think, from himself as much as anyone. But the mindset shift that they had to have coming out of Michigan and going into Georgia and, f- and getting it, and it it worked – and then now, how do you sustain that and sort of cultivate it and keep it going? And by all accounts, they've said that. And Ryan Day, I, I actually i am trying to think of what the exact quote was. He was talking about uh, ramping up the competition. And um, I was like, so do you mean that there's been more of it or that it's been different? And he said, well, no, that it's, it's like more, like they're doing more. And uh, what was the actual word? It's like pretty, pretty intense or pretty... Um, Trying to find it now in my notes. It's not like I knew we were going to have a podcast. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> but anyway, he, some things don't change. How- we still plan on the pod. Some things still he change. Stay the same. <laughs> He's just talking about how it's it's um, okay. Here here was the quote: uh, "Pretty extreme, pretty extreme." Uh-huh. Some of the things that they did, and so I think that's something that everybody in his beats now probably going to follow up on. And find out, yeah. well, what, what do you mean? What extreme? What happened? But he said, we overdid it and overemphasized it, that, that they took competitive things up a level. So I'm intrigued to find out what that means from the players. And then we'll see what effect that has for the, those 12 weeks, uh, 11 weeks leading into Michigan. Yeah, I think we saw some of it in the spring when we would go in there and they'd be doing right. these tug of war drills and other weird stuff like pre-practice started. So we saw some of it. Um, I also, I, I did note, cause he said this with your question as well. And cause he, he did get followed up. He put himself in that. It wasn't just about the players. He said, you, even the Georgia game, you saw me and how you know competitive I was in that game. And you go back and watch that game and how crazy he was going on some of those touchdowns. Uh, but full list, Josh Proctor, Matthew Jones, 
Xavier Johnson all have two wins, 18 and 19, back when Xavier Johnson was still a walk-on. Those are the guys with two wins over Michigan. And then Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Cade Stover, Enoch Bamahi, and Jaden McKenzie. Those are the players on your Ohio State football roster right now who have ever beaten Michigan. And with that, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the thing everybody actually cares about, and that's the quarterbacks. We'll be right back here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Andrew Gillis. Nathan, talk quarterbacks to me. Do we know who he is? Do we know who the starting quarterback is? A starting quarterback has not been named. No, a starting quarterback was not named in Indianapolis, nor did we (laughs) expect one to be named in Indianapolis. And now the question is, Will it be named on the normal Ryan Day quarterback unveiling timetable, or will it be something different? Because for those of you who've been following Ohio State sports for a while, you know that in 2019, my first day as an Ohio State or as a Cleveland.com employee, actually, I think it was I think it was August 16th, they named Justin Fields the starter, which was a foregone mm-hmm. conclusion. And then in 2021, I think it might have been August 17th. They named CJ Stroud the starter. Now that was actually on a specially called like Saturday press conference, mm-hmm. but it different timetable that year because they had a Thursday game to start the year, so everything was bumped up by two days. So, or should we be expecting? My birthday is August fifteenth, so should we ex- be expecting a birthday surprise of which who gets named uh, the starting quarterback and? I'm think it, the question he got today was, would you let this play out until and, and still play both guys against Indiana to help you decide who the starting quarterback is going to be? And he didn't say no. But there's not much he's saying no to at all as it relates to the competitive aspects of this quarterback battle, because that's what it's all about. This whole thing from day one has not just been about finding a starter. Obviously, somebody has to start. They want to find the guy who the team can can you know coalesce around. But it's also always been about producing, getting the most out of these two guys through this competition, so both of them are able to be a national championship quarterback this year. Because if something goes sideways, which with whichever one you don't pick, you want that second guy to be able to slide in, and the level of play doesn't drop off. And that's a thing that Ohio State has never really had during Ryan Day. Even last year, if you had had to go from C.J. Stroud to Kyle McCord, I think Kyle McCord would probably admit, although he's got a lot of pride and would try and would have gone out and and played his butt off or whatever, that's still a drop. Like C.J. Stroud, a second-year starter, Heisman Trophy finalist, to somebody who at that time had only played one game against a MAC opponent, that's a dip. Whereas I think they feel like they can get both of these guys to a place, even if Kyle McCord ends up winning and and Devin Brown's coming in with less experience still behind him that this whole thing has been about raising the level of play in that whole room and that's what I think it's both goals so do you get to September 2nd and feel like one guy did establish himself as the guy who needs to be the pick 
And did you also get that second guy to a place where he is absolutely ready to help you beat Michigan if it comes down to that as being how you win the Big Ten, how you get to the playoff? You've heard it here on Buckeye Talk first. Nathan's biannual birthday gift is going to be Ohio State announcing his starting quarterback. So every other year, that's what he gets for his birthday. Is a well, new I think it'll probably actually. I think it'll actually probably come later this year. I don't know if it'll come quite as early. If I had to bet, I don't think it'll last into the season. But I, I, I don't think it. It could happen a little later than usual. But but then it, it, it's tough because if you don't do it, then that next week is your is the leads into the season. So are you waiting yeah. to name a starter until the first day of game prep? And I, that's why they've always done it when they do it. That's why they've yes. always – because give then full, you, get, yep. you get to have a full competition and then you get to give someone the job for a last week of general prep and then one week of full game um, – I want to say like the usual schedule, the typical mm-hmm. lead into a game. That's why they've always done it that way. I think Ryan Day still wants to do it that way. But his mantra on through this whole thing has been like, I'm not in control of when they tell me they're ready or when one guy tells me he's ready. And it's he's always let it or at least spoken of it as being more organic than trying to force it to a, a artificial deadline. I love how this has gone from when we first opened spring practice. I would love if somebody just claimed the job in the spring to now. I don't know. I'm not saying no to going through the season, which is what I'm going to ask you about, Andrew, but, that philosophy of going. Go, go ahead. Real quick, though. Well, just real quick, though. It's two different ways of saying the same thing, though, because it's it's sort it of saying like, again, I'm not in control. Like they're the ones yeah. who are going to tell me whether they're the quarterback. Not that he's not coaching them, but you know what I'm saying? That it's mm-hmm. again, it's when they're ready, it will be it will be evident. I will it will be seen by me and Corey Dennis and everybody else. And I, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen September 1st. I, I, the, the thing I actually want to get to here, because you're, you're right, it, this is a guy who is not backing himself into a corner by giving these kind of, anything can happen. I'm not in control answers. What I want to get at here, Andrew, this is where I want you to bring your opinion into this. Is it a good thing if we get past that typical midway through fall camp date that he has tipped that Nathan has lined out that has typically been when Ryan day names his quarterbacks. If we don't know it by that typical date, would you say that is a good or a bad thing in how you view what the quarterback play is going to be this year? I would say it's neither good nor bad, but it's also, I mean, it could be either it's okay. That's a weird answer, but it could be both. Like it could be good. It could be bad. It could be nothing because you know, you could have like, you could have a competition theoretically where, where Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, like are, they're both playing, you know, pretty well. They're both, you know, they're both having nice camps. They're both doing good things and just, you feel comfortable with either of them at that point, And you say, ah, we need some more time. That's totally fine. You also could be in a situation where Ryan is begging one of these guys to take the job and just both of them refuse to do it. Like both of them, you know, mistakes or whatever, you know, neither one of them kind of shines to the level that you would want. So like, I think the longer that it goes on, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it can be good or bad. I mean, obviously you, you have to have a starter named by week one. Like you can't do, I, I made this point to you guys earlier. You can't do this two quarterback thing. You can't do this thing where it's like, 
oh, well, maybe we'll see how it goes and we'll just kind of, you know, by depends how we're feeling and we'll put in, you know, Devin for this series and Kyle for this series or Devin for this game and Kyle for that. Can't do that. You've got to have a guy for Indiana and you've got to have a guy, frankly, I think the guy that you name for Indiana is your quarterback for Indiana, for Youngstown State, for Western Kentucky, and for Notre Dame. Because you got to get through those four games because are you really going to – like let's say they name Kyle McCord the starter. You're going to play Kyle McCord against – obviously injury notwithstanding. You're going you're gonna to play Kyle McCord against Indiana. Unless that's an unmitigated disaster that you have to turn to Devin Brown, like you're going to play Kyle McCord against Youngstown State and they could win with anybody on the roster at quarterback against Youngstown State. They're just, they're just so much better than Youngstown State. So you're not really going to learn anything in that game. And I don't know how much you're going to learn in that Western Kentucky game. And then you get to Notre Dame. Like, you can't be doing this thing where it's, okay, well, we're going to play Kyle McCord for Indiana, and we're going to split him a little bit with Devin. And then for Youngstown State, we'll play Kyle. And then uh, maybe we should go back to Devin for Western Kentucky because then you don't have a rhythm. You don't have consistency. You don't have kind of this built-up equity. Like, if you're going to do this, you want guys to be in rhythm with their receivers. You want guys to have a feel for the offense. You want guys to have played some games. You don't want to keep pulling them in and pulling them out. Like, So I think you've got to name someone sooner rather than later. But I'm not going to say that, like, if it's August 19th and they don't have a starter – then it's a then it's a disaster. I think it could be. I think it could be, but I'm not saying it has to be. Mm. I think I'm going to start you freaking sound out like you disagree. if we start if we get. In, I, I do. I I I think that if they get off of that timeline by a day and a half, then sure. Then that's just a semantics argument, and we try to stay away from those. That Buckeye talk, even though we do a terrible job of staying away from those. <laughs> I think if we go into the first week and they still have not named a starting quarterback, there is a issue here. Because I, I, I asked Ryan Day that when we got him in the little scuttle. I said, is it a – there's two ways you can look at no one has, you know, emerged yet and ran away with the job. It can be a – it's because it's just that good of a competition that no one can fight off the other guy because they're both that good. Or it could be that other way of, like you just said, Ryan Day is begging someone to do it and no one has done it yet. I think right now it's okay to be optimistic that it's the former, but the longer this goes, and it's, if if we get to that first week and it feels like Ryan Day is still kind of talking like no one has emerged, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna be freaking out, but I'm gonna start looking at this battle a little more a little differently than oh, it's just two really talented guys who are just neck and neck and going at it and going at it. I'm gonna start looking at it as. Maybe Ryan Day's looking, Corey Dennis and Brian Hartline are, and Todd Fitz are looking at these guys and going, mm, maybe neither one of these guys are what we thought they were. And I don't know, Nathan, am I going too far off a cliff there with that uh, that idea? Well, again, here's the thing that everyone should remember as it relates to this conversation, as it relates to what Ryan Day said today. So I just looked it up. It was August 16th, 2021, that Ryan Day even first publicly acknowledged that C.J. Stroud was separating in that quarterback mm-hmm. competition. Now, <clears throat> I have been a defender at times of Comic Accord and how much to read into how bad or not great, however you want to say it, the Akron game was and what that tells us about him long term. But there was, I think, demonstrably a separation between those two players that I have a hard time believing did not show up until August 16th of that year. So, 
having said that, all the things he's saying now, I keep that context in mind. Mm-hmm. That he did, he, people were trying, and people, we, the, the, the press corps was pushing him to try to get that, okay, you know, I think Bill Rabinowitz at one point said, um, is it 5149 51, and stuff 49, like that? Yeah. And like, <laughs> what, you know, where, like, how close is this really? And, and they did say at some point, you know, Kyle does have an advantage from having the extra whole extra year in the program. You know, that extra year even included starting a game. Like there is a clear advantage there. And, and he also didn't have to just miss five weeks because he got hurt right before the spring game, the way Devin Brown did. So I, to me, again, I, I, I don't know. I think I agree more with what you're saying, Stephen, that, I don't think August 16th, 17th, 19th, I don't know if that's an alarm bell for me. If they don't announce someone to like the end of that week, um, if it gets into the first week, if they do, if they don't know who, if they don't know who the starter is by week, by the opener. Yeah. I think that would be weird. And I've even been an advocate in the past for doing what Michigan did last year, which for people who don't remember, you know, um, play, uh, Cade uh, McNamara in the opener, play J.J. McCarthy in the second game, and then have that be like kind of the final exams of the competition. But the two huge, huge differences are Michigan was playing nobodies, as they always do in their Mm -hmm. non-conference. So you had two games that you were going to win anyway. Didn't matter who you started a quarterback. You weren't. And that's probably true of the game at Indiana, too. Let's be honest. But honestly, it has to take that game a little bit more seriously. And you had an incumbent and someone who was trying to take the job. And I think that deserves a different... Cade McNamara probably deserved a chance to prove it in a game the way you don't owe it to either of these guys. So and just the way my day has operated, I still think it could be a little bit later than they usually have done it, but we'll know roughly mid-August, I think, who the starter is. Well, if I can... The quarterback battle is on... Well, if I could throw something into that, I am curious, like, what you guys think of this. Who's to say that Ryan Day is not going to make up his mind and the offensive staff is not going to make up their mind and they just say that they're still having a competition and they say that they're having a they say that they're doing this right. and then they're just not going to reveal it before week one. So, like, I think it, I think it is possible that they do kind of toe this company line of, oh, well, both guys are so great and we're we're still deciding and Devin's doing a great job and Kyle's doing a great job and blah, blah, blah. And behind closed doors where we're not watching practice, where no one is watching practice, Kyle's getting all the number one reps, you know, Kyle's in the meeting room and they've told him you're going to start at Indiana. Like, I think that that's possible. Like, do do you like, so I also think that fans and like, uh, and and us three need to kind of consider that as a possibility. Mm Yeah, I think it isn't happening right now. I think is is what we're saying. Yeah. It may be happening right now. I mean, that's exactly what was happening in 29 with Justin Fields. Like, the when we were in – it was the last year that Big Ten Media Days was in Chicago that year. And the entire theme of Ryan Day's session was, can we stop this charade and just name Justin Fields the starting quarterback already? And it was, he hasn't earned it yet. He hasn't earned it yet. He hasn't earned it yet. But when we would watch practice in the spring, he was taking all the reps with the ones. When we got the chance to see fall camp, he was taking all the reps with the ones. This was it was a it was literally just playing the game because it didn't really hurt them or help them for them to name him a starter any earlier than they did because for what? 
I thought in 2021, maybe it was a little bit more of a battle because it was even ground for everybody. So I do believe them because we did watch a lot of practice in the spring and the the reps with the ones were split pretty evenly. So I do think outside of a situation where you're taking a transfer portal quarterback, which very clear you're taking him to be your starting quarterback, I do think I'll tend to believe them through the first week of fall camp. Then Andrew, after that, sure. There's a chance that they get through the first week of fall camp and it's like Kyle McCourt's awesome. He's clearly the better quarterback. And then they just start giving all the reps to Kyle. They start gradually giving him more of the reps with the ones. While even if they're still telling us that this is still a battle, we we haven't decided yet. Yeah, I think the the number one thing that we can say is that if they name a quarterback early, like if they say this is this is the this is the guy, like this is who we're rolling with. He's the starting quarterback. I think that. Buckeye fans can look at this and be like, okay, this is a really good thing. Like this means that this guy was really good and, or I mean, maybe the other guy was just really bad, but I mean, you can at least feel confident in saying like he was clearly the better option. He was clearly everything else. The longer you go, I'm not saying it has to be good, but I'm just saying, I think that there, there can be a lot of other things at play there, you know, whether it's, you know, you want to keep things a secret, whether it's kind of both guys, you know, being really good or both guys being really bad. Like there's kind of a, I think that there's there's more things at play. If you if you get a quarterback announcement early, then I think you can feel really confident that Ohio State feels really good about who they're starting at quarterback. And, and Stephen, like today when he was talking about um, the competition and and putting him in game like situations, which is something they were you know trying to do in the spring, they're going to mm-hmm. ramp it up again in the fall. And talking about how, you know, it's one thing if you're just completing a pass, but how do you replicate that in third and four in a game? And like mm-hmm. when there's a play action opportunity, you can't miss it. Those sorts of right. things. Like who did you think that favored at this point based on what you saw this spring? Yeah, based on what we saw in the spring, I think both you and I will agree that it's probably Kyle McCord. He, he more yes. smoothly ran it down the field. Now, how much can they learn from that in spring when it's more about individual development? Probably not a lot, a lot but that would make me think, if you already thought Kyle McCord was ahead, that would make me think, okay, Kyle McCord showed us in the spring he could do that. And now you're going to ramp that up in fall camp because you're going to scrimmage more often. And it is going to be more situations where now you're trying to figure out who your best players are. Yeah. I, I that When he said that today, it was just one of those little, like, not a major light bulb going off, not like a big fluorescent mm-hmm. light bulb like they'd have in a, in a, in a Kmart uh, or whatever. Uh like just look at a little one, like a little Christmas tree bulb was like, Oh, that might be, that might be tipping the hand a little bit because mm-hmm. it just, he was a little bit more clean this spring. That's a good word. He was clean. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good word. Especially when you're, you know, you're baking in the fact that these guys are probably running for their lives a little bit more often just because the offensive line was what it was. But listen, uh, fall camp starts August 3rd. If uh, I'm, I think that's the right date. Yeah, August 3rd. Correct. So the battle will continue, and maybe in the next 15 days we find out who the starting quarterback is. Maybe we won't, but, won't, but we'll continue to watch that. And uh, we're going to take one, one last break here. And when we come back, Ryan Day said something that I think has some merit to it, even if it's irrelevant for another year. And we're going to talk about that. It has to do with Michigan because, of course, it does. And we're going to talk about that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Nathan, Ryan Day said something unprompted. In fact, the Michigan was not even brought up in the subject. The question was about not playing big, playing Penn State every single year anymore because of the new Big Ten scheduling model that has been presented now that we're getting rid of division starting in 2024. What did he say and what do we think about it? Yeah, he really just snuck it in there. <laughs> it was very late in the day, um, the third time we'd had the chance to talk to him. And you know, he say he was answering his question about Penn State and talking about how, um, you know, it's it's they're a good rivalry, but we don't necessarily have to play them every year. And then and then and talking about, you know, how tough it is to schedule these things and how people did the best they could. And then said, but then transitioned it to something along the lines of, um, you know, just like with the rivalry game, like we need to probably think about, you know, whether that's in the right place of the schedule and, and people all of a sudden now that became like obviously the, the subject of like five follow up questions, because that's the first time he's publicly ever said, um, boy, we need to think about this. And it's not like this didn't come up before, because going into week 12 last year, going into that game last year, we already knew who was going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship game. And it was Ohio State and Michigan. It was already on the books. Like, that's what it would have been if it had been a what we will have starting next year, which is a divisionless Big Ten. So we already had a, the, the example, and that's what he is speaking of today with such great concern, that if you go, it's not playing back-to-back necessarily on its own that bothers him. Like, think of 2021. Uh, Michigan State had beaten Michigan. We don't talk enough about how crazy that was, by the way. Like, that Michigan State team was all right. But that Michigan State team, that Ohio State then later scored 49 points on in the first half, and C.J. Stroud did things that made the makers a Tecmo Bowl blush. Um, That Michigan State team had beaten Michigan in kind of a weird game, I thought, at the time. But then, so if if Mich- if Ohio State had beaten Michigan, then that would have been their second loss, and it would have been Ohio State against Michigan State for the Big Ten Championship. But then Michigan beats Ohio State, and now um, Michigan gets to go on to the what? No, I just screwed that up, didn't I? It wouldn't have been Michigan against. It wouldn't have been Ohio State against Michigan State. If anyway, it has still was, been. I think it. Mm, it had been no. It, it, I think it. I don't know. I, I can't remember now because Michigan State lost to somebody else that year. So Michigan State wasn't in it. All I'm saying is you can go into that last week with with actual intrigue in the in as to who is going to emerge and you know what I'm saying. It isn't necessarily mm-hmm. always going to be decided, but he's talking specifically about last year's example where it was already decided, and that being a thing that will then diminish the game when you know for sure. Because, again, we had it last year. So if we had known Mm -hmm. for sure that the Ohio State-Michigan game in Ohio Stadium meant a lot to fans who have a lot invested in it, but meant almost absolutely nothing as it relates to anything except the eventual postseason seeding, then does that diminish 
the game. And if it diminishes the game, then should we move the game up so the game still gets to have all of its importance, that all of the stakes will still be there because you won't be able to see the future of what happens in the final week, two, three, however many weeks follow it. So I totally get where he's coming from. I honestly don't know how I feel about it. I will say um, I'm not a traditionalist because in 2020, I was the one kind of screaming that, why aren't they moving the Ohio State-Michigan game to week one to make sure that they play the Ohio State-Michigan game? Mm-hmm. And they didn't, and they didn't. So I would not – I'm not dismissing it outright. It is something that – let's just – let's live in a world real quick because I get to create fantasy worlds because I host this pod now, where it happens. Let's just say it gets moved to week nine going forward because the whole point of – part of what's always made the Ohio State-Michigan game so special is – especially in worlds where both teams are good. It's not just a rivalry. It's a rivalry that often defines who wins the Big Ten and who gets to compete for a national championship. And that's still been the case, especially these last two years. Ohio State made it in this year. But typically, the last two years, the winner has gotten an automatic bid to the playoff, and they're probably going to win the Big Ten championship because the Big Ten West sucks on most years. It stinks. It's probably going to stay outside of Wisconsin. It might stink again this year too, but that's a, a pod for a later date in a world where it's a 12 team playoff and the divisions don't exist anymore. That's not true anymore. That regular season, Ohio state, Michigan game. It's it, it might, it might not decide who wins the big 10 championship game. Cause they might play each other again in Indianapolis later in the season. While also, unless both of these teams fall off a cliff sometime in the next five years, it's probably a safe bet to say, if the Big Ten, uh, James Franklin threw out six as the number. That's the goal every year for the Big Ten to get teams into the playoff in the 12-team playoff world. Good luck with that number. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, no. it's good luck with that number. But if the Big Ten is habitually getting at least three or four, it's probably safe to say two of those teams are probably Ohio State and Michigan annually. So it doesn't mean anything outside of just being – the best rivalry in sports. So let's put it in a position where it can just be the best rivalry in sports without getting in the way of all the other things that are now available. Because like you just said, we're not, I'm not a traditionalist either. We're not living in a world where people vote on a national champion anymore, or just two teams get to compete for it for. So why not continue to evolve other things as well? Andrew, are we crazy? See, I don't like the framing of that question because now I'm asked to say that my new coworkers are crazy, um, and I don't like that. Uh, okay. I'll say misinformed um, uh, or not thinking it through. Um, so I am a traditionalist. Um, First of I, all, know, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just going to – how are you the youngest person on this pod and you're the most traditional person on this pod? So, okay, so um, we're going to take a sidebar, like a slight sidebar away from this. Um, so you mentioned, you know, people voting on the – we're not doing that anymore. Uh, I don't like mm-hmm. the 12-team playoff. I don't like the 14-team playoff. Uh, I think the BCS was better. Mm. Um, I, I like the two-team mm. – uh, I, I was I, I liked the two-team BCS rankings. I think that it made everything matter. I think that because obviously you have Ohio State, Michigan, and that matters for everything. But then also mm-hmm. Ohio State goes to West Lafayette, and that also matters a whole heck of a lot. You get to a 12-team playoff, 
and Ohio State loses and it's how they lose to Purdue. Oh my God, but it's not the ceilings or it's not the ceilings caving in and the, the sky is falling. Like, so that's, I, I, that's where I'm coming from on the traditionalist scale. I don't like conference realignment. It bothers me. It just, I don't like how you look at some of these rivalries that are going away. Like, I mean, but to, I mean, to bring it back to Ohio State, Michigan, like it, it would be, I, I mean, obviously, like, look, Ohio State, Michigan, and I'm not saying it is on par with some of these other rivalries, uh, but like, it would be weird. I think you would have to find almost a permanent home for it. Like, I don't think you can play that, you know, week five, one year and then week eight, the next year, and then week one, the next year. Like, I think you've got to find a permanent home and, but like USC and UCLA don't play every year the last week of the season. Like Bedlam for Oklahoma and right. Oklahoma State does not happen mm-hmm. the same week every year. So like it's not exactly unheard of across college sports for that. Now obviously you still have the Iron Bowl. Uh, you still have some quote unquote lesser ones like Virginia Virginia Tech that happens last week of the year. Um, Georgia Georgia Tech. Like you still have some rivalries, but like there are big time rivalries and like like you know fun rivalries that happen kind of across the board. So. I think personally, if you're going to do this, because I do, I, I made this, you know, I made this point last week when Nathan asked me about divisions. I think it would devalue the game if you have a potential back-to-back matchup sitting, uh, setting up, and then, I mean, a potential back-to-back matchup, and then God knows what happens. You get to a 12-team playoff, and you're one or two wins away from playing again. Like, I think that you know, w- when you talk about this, <sighs> I mean, to me, I just think that. If you're gonna move it, you have to make it like a like you have to make it a week one game, or you have to make it like this is our Halloween weekend game, like week eight or whatever that would be. Like you've got to set it at a certain time because I think that that's kind of one of the cool things about this is that like this is the turn or it's the first game of conference season. Whatever you're gonna do, I think you've got to set it in stone. And that kind of ends my rant, but I, I just think that if you're gonna move the game, which Again, I I mean, you know, like Nathan said, the toothpaste is out of the tube on this. Like, they're going to this divisionless format. It's going to happen. So if you're going to move the game, I think you've got to make it at a point where it still matters on the calendar. Like, it's still got to be – because obviously the game is going to matter no matter what. You could play this game on a Wednesday at 9 in the morning in August and people are going to care. But I think it would add something extra and kind of keep that level of importance – if you make it on a certain day or a certain week. So and here's the thing. A lot at there you was guys. something. <laughs> no, that's, Hey, Buckeye talk. Um, yeah. Buckeye talk. That's something that was said today by another coach on another subject, I think enlightens how I think about this, because I agree with some of the things you're saying. I actually love the 12 team playoff. I've been, been, been crowing for a playoff for a long time, but I understand yeah why people maybe don't like it and people are, are are not in favor of these the slow or now gradually picking up the pace breakdown of tra- traditions in this sport because it's a sport that's been built on traditions and people i mean i did some reporting a couple of years ago on what it meant to people when the 2020 game wasn't played and what that kind of void that it left in their lives and their families and their people who didn't get to have their last game with their dad and stuff. And that's more about COVID, but that, that, that weekend is huge for families and groups of friends 
and and people that you know you 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 meet for Thanksgiving and then you've got sides of the family that are both Michigan and Ohio State and it all rolls into the Saturday game and it's I, I a thousand percent get it but the thing is um they're they are going to expand the Big Ten and go to no divisions and they are going to have a twelve team playoff like those things are done it's done so yeah. Greg Schiano today Rutgers coach Greg Schiano today was asked about NIL when he was on the stage. And and I only remember this quote because I was joking about the way he said it later. He said, um, I have a sign on my desk or a sign in my, in my office, something like that. And it says, if you don't like something, dot, dot, dot. And I was joking later that I thought it was funny. He said, dot, dot, dot. Like what if, like if Greg Schiano had said, if you don't like something, ellipses, which would have just been really funny to me. <laughs> if you don't like something, dot, 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 change it or change the way you think about it. And you can't change what is coming. Like it is, there's going to be a 16 team big 10 with these two California teams and there's going to be no divisions. And you can't change the fact that there's going to be a 12 team playoff until they decide that that's not enough teams and they add more. And let's face it, that probably in our lifetimes that'll happen. So I think that's where it comes to where you then have to change the way you think about this. And I would have been someone who I think all along might have been inclined to even as recently as a year ago, say, you know what, like that, that weekend means too much to people. Don't change that. Don't screw that up. It's Thanksgiving. It's fall. It's like the perfect encapsulation of so many things. But I think Day makes a good point. Like I asked him about this last year, by the way, going into the Maryland game, it was already on the verge of being locked in that these two teams were going to would in a divisionless format would play each other. So I asked him, like, what what would that mean? This was the quote. It certainly does make you think for a second. I can't tell you now I'm in a place to be focusing on anything other than trying to beat Maryland and going after those guys. But that will be very unique for sure. I guess it's more like an NFL situation where you may have to play a team multiple times and that would affect your game planning, but we'll worry about that down the road. Now, again, I was getting to him. This is on like a Tuesday press conference where they had another game ahead of them. So he wasn't really in a mood to talk about Michigan and whatever. But I think it's one of those things where until you had it put in front of you last year. And again, this is Ryan Day knows how much this game means because he is both. We were there in Ann Arbor in 2019 and like the relief that was just spilling out of his body when they won that game and how much weight that took over his off his shoulders, even though they were heavily favored and then went out and did what a heavy favorite is supposed to do. And we saw his body language after last year and how much it just tore out of his soul to lose that game a second time the way they did. And he's the one that's saying, I don't want it. The guy who has been the, oh, it keeps you up at night and uh, the idea of losing even one game. He's the one who is saying, I don't want to lose maybe having to feel like that. I don't want to lose having my soul torn out because this game means so much. And there's going to be some diminishment anyway now, because even if you play it in week six or eight, they could still meet again and then could still meet again. Uh, but because the you at least you would be able to save a lot of those stakes if the game was played earlier in the year, because if, and this isn't going to happen every year, obviously Ohio state Michigan aren't going to always be in a position to rematch and play in the, the championship game. Um, but the situation that unfolded last year, again, it wasn't that they would have rematched. It was that you would have already known going into the game 
that it didn't change, that they were going to play again the very next week. And that was the game that was going to have all the stakes. And that's what Ryan Day is talking about wanting to avoid. And I, I get where he's coming from. You want to maximize the game. And if that means moving it, you probably should move it, especially in a world where, I mean, depending on the year, you could go nine and three and make the playoffs. Right. Uh, if some things go the right way. Right. So, uh, Andrew, you said you, you do want everything to matter, but there's things that just aren't going to matter anymore. So how about finding yeah. a way to make the things that actually matter the most, make sure that they still get an opportunity to matter. So if you put what if you just made, ooh, I like being a host, you get to come up with stuff a little <laughs> bit more. What if week six around college football was new rivalry week? That's the week everybody plays their rivals because you've played enough games to have a real sense of what your team is and whether they're good or not. And really, if you're going to be a playoff team or not, while also not being too deep in the season where, like, to Nathan's point, you're not having to pick which version, which version of this game that you're probably going to play twice anyway has to matter more especially for these teams who have historical rivalries within their conference. Because you think of a Clemson, South Carolina, that's ACC, SEC. You think of Georgia, Georgia Tech, that's ACC, SEC. So for for teams like Ohio State and Michigan and Alabama, Auburn, and Miami, Florida State, Oklahoma, Texas, USC, UCLA, where that game matters. Let's just put it in the middle of the season. And that's your halfway point of the season. You're, everything is leading up to rivalry week in week six. And then game seven through 12 is about let's get ready to go try to compete for a national title. Everybody like that? Is that good? Does that work for everybody? I, I would – that's a little early for me. Only because mm. I, think what, I think what I was saying before – like when I when someone says the Ohio State Michigan game, when someone says the game, I immediately like your 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 sensory memory kind of goes to a certain chill in the air, a certain like smell, and if it's still like warmish for a noon kickoff, like in the first week of October or whatever, I don't. That's not quite the same to me. I want I want something like what Andrew was saying before about October. Um, uh, like th- like Halloween weekend, that has some intrigue to me. Ohio State, by mm. sheer coincidence, had this thing where they were starting to play Penn State. I think like three of the four Penn State games yeah. in a row or something like that had were Thanksgiving weekend. And I asked Gene Smith about it at one point. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that isn't <laughs> like a thing that they were trying to do. He's like, no, that was just like an accident. Like, that's it, you're what's wrong with you? And um, not not an uncommon reaction. And I think that might have some merit. It would be far enough into the season that you would know a lot about both those teams. It would be enough for them to like build some, some, you know, anticipation for that game, but not so late that then when you, if you do then have the rematch, it feels so back to back and you'd still get to have a lot of the, the vibe of the game. I want to say real quick too, I'm seeing a lot of reactions out there. Some from our texters, some from social media people, who heard what Ryan Day said today and said that means he doesn't get it. Yeah. And I'm go, go back to what I just said to you all. Like he he gets it. He's the one telling you like I remember having my heart cut out of my chest last year and if that game 
if there had been a, if the game had been, if there had been a rematch, his heart would not have been torn out of his chest quite the same way. And that's not because he doesn't care. It's because the stake, everything, everything is going to change. The stakes of the game are going to change. So why not move it farther into the year where he will feel it in his gut more if, if when, or in his heart, win or lose, than they do now. I hope people understand what I'm trying to explain there. It's not Ryan Day saying the game doesn't matter. Let's not let's let's just get it up earlier in the year and get it over with. He's saying let's we got to protect the stakes of this. We have to protect how great and or terrible you feel after playing winning or losing the game. Uh, so I'm hope I'm conveying that to people. That's at least how I hear Ryan Day talking. Well said. I'm going to stick with my week six thing though. I'm going to see if I can get some, some, some buzz going on that. I don't know who I need to talk to, but I'm going to find them and talk to him. Tony Petitti, I think he that's, was here today. That's true. Yeah, I might track him down on, on Thursday and see, hey, man. Oh, he's gone. Let's get no. this pup in. He's, he's back in. He's, he's, yeah. he's back in Rosemont already. <laughs> he did, he did his, his work already. Well, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the commissioners last couple of years stuck around, but they used to introduce. No, he's, he's not. They're not doing they're, that they're, anymore. They're still, yeah. they're, they'll still be here tomorrow. So, yeah, that's – okay, so – you said it now. So when we recorded yeah, find Thursday's them. podcast, what did Steven find out from new Big Ten commissioner Tony Petiti? Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's what I'm gonna be doing tomorrow. I was trying to track him down while we're not talking to Michigan. We will also be at Big Ten Media Days on Thursday when the headliner Michigan talks, along with a couple few other teams that are escaping me right now because I have a million other thoughts going through my head. But Ohio State is done. There go ahead, Nathan. I was gonna say it's all the ones that weren't there today. Maryland, yeah, Purdue. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, oh, wait, I do have the list. I don't know why I'm acting like I don't have the list right here. Let's see. I was trying to see if I can name them all: Maryland, Purdue, Wisconsin, oh, okay. yep, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, okay. mm-hmm. and, uh, Indiana. Oh, I forgetting one. I'm forgetting one. It, no, no, you got them all. No, I'm not forgetting one. Michigan, yeah. Indiana, yep, that's it. Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and last but certainly not least in the conference, Michigan. We will be back again with another post-Big Ten Media Days pod on Thursday where Nathan, Andrew, and I will be in attendance. And if you want all the information that you got today, sign up for the text first. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hmm? Did you not send a survey to our tech subscribers to find out what they I did? About? I, I, I did, and a lot of them didn't participate. Instead, they decided to just send us comments. So I'll re- actually, I'll read some of those comments off first. We didn't get a lot of participants in it because they were kind of fed up with it. Here's the, the first response text we got right after I said, quick yes or no poll for you guys. No, period. Dumb, period. Stop, period. Leave, period. It, period period, please spelled PLZ, period. Next question. And that was from the 740. Here's a, a, a lot of no's. Um, this one was pretty funny. For the three, two, one. Steven, you need a expletive no with an explanation point option, period. I'll leave it up to you guys to know what expletive that is. But we did get some other people on the other side of that. We did get one from the 419. I'm open to this option only because of getting rid of divisions and because of the 12 team playoff, this game needs to be in November. However, Nathan, to your point, I would be open to a Halloween weekend. So yeah, someone is on point with that one. A couple more from our tech, our trusty Texas who have stuck in, stuck with us to this um, transition from the six, one, four, 
Hold on. I'm going to scroll all the way down here. Steven, if, and that's a big if, Ohio State and Michigan both continue to dominate Big Ten football as they have the last couple of seasons, then they're going to play each other twice a season and with the expansion of the CFP field, possibly three times a season. Do we really need to see them play that often between Thanksgiving and New Year's, let alone in a single season? If that happens, the significance of the regular season contest is going to be diminished. It, It just is. Whether people now can see it or not, unless the Big Ten opts to get rid of the conference championship, in parentheses, which it won't, see the green thing called money, then move the regular season game to the season opener or Big Ten opener. So, yeah, a, a mixture of both. A lot of some people, it was a combination of, no, this is stupid. Why are we talking about this? Or to Nathan's point, some texts are saying, oh, Ryan Day just doesn't get it. This is why he's he's lost his last two. To some people just being a little bit more open to it because they – and not necessarily because they like it, but this is just the reality of the situation. There's not going to be conference divisions anymore in, in the Big Ten, and we're moving to a 12-team playoff. College football is changing. Rivalries might as well change along with it. More on that tomorrow after day two of Big Ten Media Days. We will be there if you would like to – like I said, we're, we're texting a lot of this information out before we're podding about it, before we're writing posts about it. So sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. For Nathan and Andrew, I'm Steven, and his first hosting day duties, which he is going to so much love, that was Buckeye Talk.